0: So, church, I am preaching on all of our favorite subjects. Tithing church, come on. Oh, come on. Who like? yeah, thank you. I got three people over here. They're like, yes, tithing. I guys, I love tithing. I love talking and preaching and delivering God's heart on the subject because I really believe that sowing and reaping, the God ordained channels that He's established for our life will change your life. Amen. I don't think the Lord does anything on accident. I don't don't think he does anything by by mistake, and I know that he has so much for you in this area, and when it comes to finances, I want you to know, who's with me, that the kingdom of heaven operates radically different than the world, amen? The kingdom of heaven operates in all areas, but especially in our finances, operates radically differently than the kingdom of the world, and so we are going to cover a lot of biblical ground today. Buckle up you <sighs> church, but on your seatbelts. It's like the bar on the roller coaster is about to go down, and we're going to be off, all right? So get ready, but of course, we have to start in prayer. So will you bow your heads, please? Heavenly Father, we worship you. We are so grateful to come into your presence by the blood of Jesus. There's nothing like the blood of Jesus. There's nothing better than the blood of Jesus, and it's that blood that's made a way for us, that sacrifice that has radically transformed each and every one of us, every person in this room. And so God, thank you for doing what only you can do in this space today, for causing your word to go forth in power. May it be confirmed with signs and wonders. May we never be the same after this day. Thank you, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start with some breaking news. Who knows that the world's monetary system is broken? Who knows that that is not supposed to be. I don't need to tell you, you all own televisions. You've seen that every five or seven years ago, there is a crisis. There is a breakdown. There is a recession. There is a depression. There is always something going on. The the market is up and then the market is down. And that's not to speak of worldwide inflation that is going on even as we speak. I'm not telling you anything new, but what if I, what if I did have, what if I did have a revelation? to share with you that that is not the best God has for us. What if that was not the best that God has for us? What if volatility was not the best that God had for his children? What if I told you we serve a stable God, a consistent God, a God that can be counted on and depended on? What if that was the best that God has for us as his children? Amen? What if that was possible? Now, now before I, and again, you all know there's like a, like Southern Baptist preacher that lives deep inside. Like there, I mean, I, can't. Sometimes it just comes out. And I grew up on on a, a healthy diet of televangelists, if you all cannot tell by now. A healthy diet of televangelists. And so I've heard everything from God wants to give you 18 cars, four televisions. He wants to give you a private jet. Just send your check here and I'll pray for you and God will give you all these things. Let me assure you this is not that message. (laughs) this is not that message I do not believe that that is what the 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 best that we can declare as a church is but I also do not believe that lack is the best that God has for you either amen I do not believe that he wants you to live in bondage to poverty or to a broken system amen And I believe that because how in the world would you be able to be a blessing to his house and to others if you can't be a blessing to yourself and your own family? If you can't take care, no, someone can clap for that. How can you take care, honestly, right? It's hard for the poor to help the poor, amen? That how in the world are you going to be a blessing to those around you if you're struggling to feed yourself and to have a place to live? Does this make sense? All right. So, we are going to we're going to start by by understanding, by unwrapping where this worldly system even came from. How did we end up where we are today as a world? I'm so glad you asked. We're going to start at the beginning. We're starting in Genesis 3:17. In my Bible, it's called The Fall of Man, aptly titled The Fall of Man. Now, I don't have to tell you you're in church on a Sunday, so you're probably familiar with this story that we have Adam and Eve, they ate from the wrong tree, and they set up a new world order in which lack, pain, suffering. That's the name of the game, right? And, and where we're picking up is God has already meted out punishment. He's already told the snake, you will be on your belly all the days of your life. He's already given punishment to Eve, and now he's talking to Adam, and he says, and again, this is Genesis 3, 17, then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat it, all eat of it, all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you and you will eat. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for you are dust and... And to dust you shall return. Now that's rough. That's that's a rough word when we read that, right? But I, but I want you all to see from this passage that work is not the curse. One of the first things Adam did before he gave him a wife was give him a job. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. And so the thing that is cursed is not work. But what you'll see in this passage is that the curse is sweat and not from crazy heat like we've been having the last few weeks. It's the sweat literally in this text that that word is translated as stress, sorrow, toil, hardship, and painful labor. So now Adam, as he's trying to provide for himself and his family, it's no longer a labor that's in rest. It's a labor that's in stress. It is work. It is hardship. And so who knows that today the number one killer in the world is stress. There's no disease that is not related in some way to stress, whether it is anxiety, depression, heart attacks, strokes, even diabetes. All of these diseases have a causal link to stress. Now, this is the first thing that really blew my mind when I was in, when I was in God's word for you all earlier. And I want you to know that this word stress That word stress related to sweat, sweat shows up three times in the Bible, the entire Bible. The word sweat shows up three times. This is the first time and we're going to go see the last time. Let's go to Luke 22, verse 44. Luke 22, verse 44. We just saw the first time. Let's see the last time. Now, I love this. We're picking up on another story that you all are probably familiar with. We are seeing Jesus' passion in the garden. The disciples have fallen asleep, and he's praying by himself with only an angel to strengthen him, and before him is the God-sized task of redeeming the world from their sins. So not only, is he about to go through the pain, humiliation, and torture of the cross. If that was not enough, a holy God, a perfect God is about to become sin and be separated from his father. That's agony for Jesus. That's agony. And so here he is in the midst of his passion, and it says in Luke 22, verse 44, and being in agony... He was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Now, church, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Who knows that the blood of Jesus is redeeming blood? Who knows that the blood of Jesus, everything it touches, it transforms, that it saves, that it redeems. And so I need you to see that that curse that happened in the garden, when Jesus' blood touched the ground, the curse is reversed, amen? When the precious blood of our Savior touches that cursed ground, that ground is no longer cursed. And so we no longer, even before he goes to the cross, He's already doing the work of redeeming us out of Adam's curse. Amen? He's already doing the work. And that painful labor, that sweat of stress has been reversed. Can I get an amen from anybody in this church? Now, at this point, you're wondering, Victoria, what does that have to do with tithing? Please don't rush me. (laughs) I will get there, okay? I will get there. Now, we saw that first instance, okay, right? We saw Adam, that curse of sweat, we just saw that. And then we just saw Jesus reversing that curse with his own drops of blood his own sweat mixed with his holy blood touching hitting the ground amen and so we we have three instances we're missing one in the middle so let's get there let's see that third instance we're going back to the old testament we're going to ezekiel 44 ezekiel 44 and church you're about to see an old testament example of what for us as new covenant believers new testament believers what work is supposed to look like for us in the new covenant Ezekiel 44. Now we're seeing rules for the priests and and how they're supposed to be ministering to God. What is their guidance? What are they being told as they are ministering to the Lord? And this is a big deal for us because we know that in Old Testament times, the priests were the ones closest to God. They had the most access to the presence of God. The rest of the children of Israel, they could only come as far as the gate of the temple. They could only come to the inner court. It was the priests who could literally go into the Holy of Holies and experience the presence of God for themselves. And my Bible says in Revelation 1:6 and in Revelation 5:10 that we even made a kingdom of priests. Say that back to me. Kingdom of priests. Ooh, I need a little bit more, friends. Kingdom of priests. Kingdom of priests. I need you to see that not just priests, a kingdom of priests. When the Bible says that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he is the king of kings. Oh, let me try over here. Let me try over here. He is the king of kings amen you are kings to god i need somebody to get that into their brain right now he's not talking just about kings of earthly kingdoms you all have been made a kingdom of priests so he is the king of kings he is the lord of lords and that's essential that you grasp that as part of your identity because it'll change everything. So, not only are we priests with access to God, we are kings that rule with authority on the earth. Right now, today, we're not waiting to rule. Praise God, we absolutely will. The millennial kingdom, we will rule with God, but our rulership starts now. Our rulership starts now. Where even was I? I'm just getting excited. Okay. Kingdom of priests. And now back to Ezekiel 44, we're in verse 16 and it says, they, the priests shall enter my sanctuary and they shall come near my table to minister to me and they shall keep my charge. And it shall be whenever they enter the gates of the inner court that they shall put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house. They shall have linen turbans on their head and linen trousers on their body. They shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. Do you see this church? do you see this, church, that there is still a work for us to do in our jobs, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or the CEO of a, of a multinational company, whatever you've been called to do, and both of those things have equal standing in the kingdom of God, just to be clear. Just to be clear. Whatever your calling is, whatever work the Lord has put in front of you, whether you're a retired person, whether you're in the workforce, whether you're in ministry, that work, right, you, you're you're absolutely going to be doing things, you're going to be having activities, but you have been liberated from working from a place of stress of sweat toil of hardship of labor again we see these priests they're working right they're ministering to God they're bringing the sacrifices they're they're leading worship they're doing all of these things but they're doing it from a place of rest they're doing it without the curse of sweat and church this is where the tithe comes in this is where the tithe comes in. Please turn to your Bibles. I told you, we're going to be all over this Bible today. Please turn to 2 Corinthians 9, and we're going to pick up in verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, we're going to pick up in verse 6. verse six now i now this i say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver someone say cheerful giver cheerful. god loves a cheerful giver And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he is scattered abroad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Let's stop there. Now, that word bountifully, I've never seen this before. That word bountifully in the original Greek text literally means with a blessing. He who sows, sows with a blessing. The emphasis that the Holy Spirit is making through the Apostle Paul isn't necessarily on the what; it's on the how. How you're giving. I, I know for me, when I first started tithing, man, it feels like many, many years ago when I first started working after college. That I, and this is the Word of the Lord to Victoria. All right, this is not a this is not a blanket statement to anybody else. It's the Word of the Lord to me that I had it set up as an automatic withdraw from my. Checking account, so it just went. I didn't really think about it. It's like buying an Amazon Prime, you know, subscription. It just went. It just off. It would go, and I heard the Lord speak to me that that there was a level of intention that was not happening in my giving. And that I had to literally stop and every week make the conscious decision to believe God for His blessing in my life, to thank Him for the opportunity even to give, and to make that a time of worship we 're not just saying we 're worshiping the Lord with our tithes that literally that we get to honor God and glorify God and give him glory by the action of tithing now that 's all well and good, but I forget a month or, or I forget a week or two, right. And so what happens, right? And again, this is the word of the Lord to Victoria. I forget a week and then the next time, church, I'm telling you, I am at Target and I am buying all sorts of stuff that I do not need, all right? That it literally, there is such, an, and there is a verse in uh, from the prophet Haggai where he talks about, like, you put your money in a bag full of holes. Like, you don't know where your finances are going. And that's literally what I experience when I miss a week or I forget to tie. And that's literally the cue to myself of, oh my gosh, I did not tithe this week. Like it literally something happens, a change happens in where my money goes and how it's directed. And I tell you this story because there is such intention that the Lord has for you as we're tithing, that it's not just a random action, right? It's it's not just I put my money in the box or I give online, that it's literally an opportunity for us to take a moment to bless our God. with our offering thank him for the opportunity to give and this is confirmed in our next verse where it says God is able someone say God is able God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I want that verse to say up there that you always having sufficiency in everything, you'll have an abundance for every good deed. Now notice it is not you give and you'll have spiritual blessings of peace. I feel peace. I feel lots of peace. I feel contentment. I have spiritual peace and contentment that no one can see. There's no outward manifestation. I just feel good on the inside. No friends, it is. Give, and the Bible says you'll have sufficiency in everything. <laughs> sufficiency in everything. not just finances, sufficiency in your relationships sufficiency in your health, sufficiency in any area of need or lack that you can identify in your life. The Bible says that you'll have sufficiency in everything. Sufficiency in everything. And from that sufficiency, abundance to give to others. Jesus himself says, you all know this, in Luke six thirty-eight, given it will be given to you, people will pour, men, people will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, for by the standard of measure you meet, you give, it will be measured back to you in return. Church, that is our God, but it doesn't stop there. It then says, if we go back, If we go back to Romans, it says in verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So that, for me, was a bit of a challenge. Like how I I am righteous as a free gift from God. How is there now I'm giving, but there's a harvest of righteousness? Like like what is happening here? And, And the word is so beautiful. And the Lord is so faithful to show that literally as you're giving, as you're tithing, that is a righteous act and that act redounds. It, it, It manifests a harvest that has eternal impact. That you're giving, your tithing, church, is literally saving souls. It's causing the word to go forth in ways that could never be dreamed or expected. It's causing people to hear and encounter a beautiful Savior who loves them. That that is an eternal harvest. That that creates both impact for today and for the life to come. Amen? That there is lives saved, healed, changed, restored, and transformed through your act of giving. And now at this point, you might be wondering one of two things or both things, right? That number one, well, Victoria, does that mean I can just give generally? I I can just be giving, right? Sometimes it's this much, sometimes it's that much. Why are we getting all hung up with, with tithing as the thing? And the other thing you might be thinking, and I also have heard, is that really tithing is an old covenant thing. That's an Old Testament thing. There really isn't, Respectful or, or, or understanding for today in our new covenant, in our modern lives, for tithing to really be happening. I don't have to tithe anymore. Well, for my first point, I would say, I need you all to listen to my message on tithing before, because we talk about how we are the seed of Abraham, and Abraham tithed even before the law was given. And so tithing is not constrained to one covenant. Tithing has promise for us, even right now, today, in our modern lives. And, and the second thing, you might be thinking, well, why tithe? And, and why is that 10%? Well, I remember many years ago listening to a pastor that said tithe is just sort of a, an arbitrary, the 10 is just not, you know, that's not really a, a specific whole hard and fast number. That you can just give sort of any amount and you can call it a tithe. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't serve a, a haphazard random God that just sort of does things without purpose. Tithe literally means ten. That's literally what that word means. It means 10 or 10% of whatever the harvest or whatever the fruit was that the children of Israel were bringing to their God. And so I would say that tithing is not 6%, even though that's great. I would say tithing is not 8%, even though be encouraged, right? If, if you are giving and, and we're so proud of you for that. But I would say that the tithe has supernatural because it's established by God, not by us because it's established by God as a supernatural principle, the tithe, the 10%, that participation has supernatural results that are not dependent on us, right? That that is something that God has done for us. And so we get to say yes to the thing that he has already established. Now, I also, as we're wrapping up here, I want to have us really spend some time on the idea that we don't have to tithe, we get to tithe. We don't have to tithe. We get to tithe. We're going to Leviticus 2730, and this is the very first time tithe, that word, shows up in the Bible, the very first time, and, and that is a big deal because there is a Bible guidance for biblical interpretation called the Law of First Mention. Now, the Law of First Mention says that when we are trying to understand a biblical concept for the very first time, we need to look at where it shows shows up and and that first instance is going to help inform how we understand that concept throughout the rest of scripture. Amen. So the very first time we're seeing a concept, there are truths from that very first instance that we can use to better understand how we should understand that throughout the rest of the canon of scripture. So we're in Leviticus 27:30 the very first time that tithe comes up and it says thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Someone say, holy. It is holy to the Lord. Now, church, again, I told you to fasten your seatbelts. This is where it gets exciting. If we go to Romans eleven sixteen, 16, actually, you all, you stay put. I'll have it on the screen. If we go to Romans eleven sixteen 16 together, the Apostle Paul is talking about how the Gentile church has been grafted into the family and the plan of God, even though salvation came for the Jews first. And he uses an example example of the bread offering that the Jews would offer to illustrate that their rejection will not be forever, that the rejection of the Jewish people will not be forever. And he says this, he says, if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also And if the root is holy, the branches are as well. I'm gonna read it again. That if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are as well. Now I want you to connect this to what we just talked about in Leviticus, what we just read. We just read that the tithe is holy to the Lord. And now we're seeing in Romans that if the first piece of dough is holy then the lump is holy if the root is holy then the branches are as well church this means that as you tie that first piece to God right that first before taxes come on the Lord gets his cup before the government does when you give that first piece to the Lord that means all of your money becomes holy to the Lord When you give that first offering to God, the entirety of what you receive through work, through your professional effort, that becomes holy to the Lord. Money that we know, unfortunately, may have been used for not so great things. Money that might have been used for for nefarious and less than holy activities is now become holy to the Lord. What happens with holy things? What does God do with things that are holy? I mean, you yourselves are holy, right? We just said that you're a kingdom of priests, that you've been set apart to the Lord. Things that are holy to God, they are blessed. They are multiplied. They are used for his glory that is what we want for you church that is the freedom from the world system of sweat and painful labor and toil the freedom, the deliverance, the liberation from that into full participation into God's system of holy sowing and reaping, of being blessed first and then having the divine opportunity to be a blessing and to live dependent on the Lord always, always, always for his supply and the knowledge that we serve a more than enough God, a God that is willing to provide in every area of our need. And he says, and again, you all have heard me say this. He says, test me in this. There's actually a place in the Bible where it says you will not put your God to the test. And it's like the Lord overrules that and says, no, but in this area, because I know if I can have your heart in this area, there's no other place that you'll resist me. That I want to come to your level and I want you to test me in this. And so this is not the uh, you know we need to we need to fill up the church reserves and so we're asking you to tie that is not this this is we know that God has super abundance for you not abundance super abundance for you he wants you to live liberated in every area including your finances And we want you to have the incredible experience that we're having of enjoying the fullness of supply from the Lord. And so I would ask you, as you uh, meditate on this message during this week, as I know you will, all we're asking is for you to say, God, if your word is true, please show me. Show me that this is what you desire for my life. Show me that this is how you want me to operate and and live my fiscal life, Lord, not dependent on the world system, but dependent on yours. And give me the grace, we just talked about grace, give me the grace to say yes to you, to say yes to you, because a yes to the Lord, a yes to the Lord, church, a yes to the Lord will change your life will change your life. Church, let's bow our heads, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for doing what you promised, for causing us to experience your goodness, Lord, even as we hear you, the best you have for us. God, we ask you for the grace to say yes, for the grace that you, Lord, first give to impress in our hearts the desire, give us the willingness and the ability to do. Lord, the willingness and the ability to do of your good pleasure, that we don't have to conjure up the wanting, Lord. Please give us the desire as your children work within our hearts, Lord, to say yes to the thing that you have already established for us, the system of sowing and reaping, Lord, because you want us to live in a place of overflow where we are blessed And from that place of blessing, we are a blessing to others. Jesus, you always exceed our expectations. So, Lord, thank you for doing this and much more in my life and in the lives of all the hearers. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for the privilege to be called your sons and daughters to be a kingdom of priests after your name. We love you, Jesus. And in your awesome name, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.